So I don't know how many of you had a chance to catch the conjunction of Jupiter, Jupiter and Saturn a couple of weeks ago. Um, it was marked on my calendar for a while and I was really excited about it because uh, you know, I love space. Um, basically from the perspective of Earth, Jupiter and Saturn got so close to each other that it looked like they were, they were one big light. It's something that only happens that clearly every 800 years or so. Uh, last time it happened was 1226. It's a long time ago. Uh, the height of the conjunction for us here in Denver happened at something like 5.45 p.m. Um, I remember Michaela was at work and Daisy and I were eating dinner and my alarm went off. And so we just got up in the middle of eating and I took her outside to look at the stars. Um, Daisy loves finding the moon at night to say hi to. And Mars has been super bright the past few months. So she <laughs> loves going outside and saying hi to Mars, though she calls it Moaz. Uh, which is like the most adorable thing in the world. And um, I'm really gonna miss it when she starts saying it the right way. Um, anyway, I doubt that she'll remember uh, anything <laughs> from the, that night. Uh, and I, I'm sure that she didn't understand what was happening, but I didn't want her to miss this once in a lifetime, every 800 year occurrence. And it was worth it just to hear her try to say Jupiter and Saturn over and over and over again. Um, if you've heard about this, if you heard about this event leading up to it, uh, many news outlets were calling it the Christmas star. Um, partly because it was so close to Christmas. I think it was the 20, 20th or the 21st. I say I had it on my calendar and I can't remember what day it was, but it's partly because it was so close to Christmas and also partly because they were referring to the star that appeared to lead the Magi to Christ. But that whole story of the star and the Magi, that didn't actually happen in the story at Jesus's birth, despite many of the nativity scenes that you may have seen around during Advent. The birth narrative and the Magi arriving are two different stories. So if they really wanted to name the planetary conjunction properly, it should have been called the Epiphany Star. As I said before, Epiphany starts tomorrow and it's the season centering on that story of the Magi and Christ and stars and I love it. Uh, it's sort of a, it's a season kind of bill for me. You mean to tell me that there's a season of the church calendar that revolves around the metaphor of stars as lights in the darkness, stars leading us to Christ. I'm in. The term epiphany uh, means to show or to make known or to reveal. It's a season that remembers the coming of the Magi bringing gifts to Jesus as a child. These were the first Gentiles, the first non-Jewish people to acknowledge Jesus as King. And so they were the first to show or reveal Jesus to the wider world as the incarnate Christ. The act of worship by the Magi was one of the first indications that Jesus came for all people of all nations, of all races, and that the work of God in the world would not be limited to only a few people. You may be more familiar of the story of, of the Magi by its other titles, the three wise men or the three Kings again, often shown in nativity scenes as being at the manger, um, as Jesus is born with Mary and the shepherds hanging out with the animals. But as I mentioned earlier, and as we're going to see in the story, these travelers arrive later than the night that Jesus was born. In fact, it could have been up to two years later. They're also not called wise men. They're not kings. We're also not told that there were three of them. All of those details are inferences, but they aren't details directly given to us in the story. But there are so many interesting details in this story, this, this little story that often gets overlooked and conflated with the birth narrative. And so as I read it to you tonight, I want you to be curious about what is going on in the story. What stands out as odd to you? What questions do you have as you hear this story unfold? 
And as you think of those questions, type them in the chat and we'll have time at the end of the talk to address some of your questions if I don't get to them in the talk. Um, I want you to really concentrate on this story in all of its detail. So, so get comfortable, uh, take a deep breath, close your eyes if that helps you concentrate. Uh, the words aren't going to be up on the screen because I want you to just really listen to this story. So this is Matthew 2 uh, verses 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem village, Judah territory, this was during King Herod's kingship, a band of Magi arrived in Jerusalem from the East. They asked around, where can we find and pay homage to the newborn King of the Jews? We observed a star in the Eastern sky that signaled his birth. We're on a pilgrimage to worship him. When word of their inquiry got to Herod, he was terrified and not Herod alone, but most of Jerusalem as well. Herod lost no time. He gathered all the high priests and religion scholars in the city together and asked, where's the Messiah supposed to be born? They told him Bethlehem, Judah territory. The prophet Micah talked about it plainly writing, it's you Bethlehem in Judah's, hand, in Judah's land, no longer bringing up the rear. For from you will come the leader who will shepherd rule my people, my Israel. Herod then arranged a secret meeting with the Magi from the East. Pretending to be as devout as they were, he got them to tell him exactly when the birth announcement star appeared. Then he told them the prophecy about Bethlehem and said, go find this child, leave no stone unturned. And as soon as you find him, send word and I'll join you at once in, in your worship. Instructed by the king, they set off. Then the star appeared again, the same star that they had seen in the Eastern skies. It led them on until it hovered over the place of the child. They could hardly contain themselves. They were in the right place. They had arrived at the right time. They entered the house and saw the child in the arms of Mary, his mother. Overcome, they kneeled and worshiped him. Then they opened their luggage and presented gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. In a dream, they were warned not to report back to Herod. So they worked out another route, left the territory without being seen and returned to their own country. All right, so there's so many little details in this story that at least to me, catch my attention. Uh, they, they make me think like, what does that mean? Or why is that important? Why is that detail included? Um, why, did they, why did they need us to know that little tidbit of information that doesn't seem to mean anything to us? Um, we're not gonna cover everything that this story has to offer tonight, um, but hopefully something caught your attention and you have a question that we can talk about uh, if I don't cover it. So what I, what I want to explore tonight is pretty simple. And um, I think it's maybe the, the question that's on the top of many people's minds when they hear this story. Who on earth are these magi and what's with them following a star across the Middle East that they somehow know is leading them to Jesus? Uh, the Greek word used here that we translate as magi basically means um, sorcerers or priests. It's where we get our word magic and magician from. And in the context of our story, it refers to Persian soothsayers, um, astrologers, sorcerers, specifically priests of Zoroastrianism. Zoroastrianism is Zoroastrianism. Man, I practiced saying this word so many times and now I forget, I forget what it is. I've never had a problem saying it before until right now, which is always what happens to me. So Astronism is one of the oldest religions in history and it's still practiced in part of Iran or parts of Iran today, which is modern day uh, Persia. So Astronism was the precursor to Islam 
And it was the official religion of Persia at the time of Jesus's birth. So these Magi are literally priests from a different country and a completely different religion. These are astrologers, they're star worshipers, well known for telling fortunes and preparing daily horoscopes. Not really the people that you expect to know who Jesus is and be searching for him so they could worship him and bring him really expensive gifts that are completely useless for a child. Zoroastrianism is based off the writings of the prophet Zoroaster, which makes sense. And Zoroaster was believed to have been born within their belief system, believed to have been born to a 15 year old uh, Persian virgin girl. Like Jesus, he also started his ministry at the age of 30 after supposedly defeating all of Satan's temptations. So there's some weird crossovers between Zoroaster and Jesus. Um, Zoroaster predicted that other virgins would conceive additional divinely appointed prophets as, as history unfolded. And so Zoroastrian priests like our Magi believed that they could uh, foretell these miraculous births by reading the stars. So though in very different ways, uh, like the Jews, the, the Zoroastrian priests were also anticipating and waiting and watching for the birth of the true savior. And it's this group of astrologers, these pagans who God chooses to draw towards himself. God uses their religion that really has little to do with him to draw them to him. It's these completely non-Jewish star worshipers who realize who Jesus is before most of his own people ever do. It's these members of a completely different nation and religion who don't follow God at all per se, that God speaks to in ways that they can understand through their worship of the stars and their scriptures to lead them to himself. God is so determined to proclaim the good news of great joy for all the people, all the people that he reaches out to the least likely pagan horoscope writers to proclaim the advent of Christ and salvation to the world. The people who we would expect to be on the outside of God's plans are at the center of them. While the people that we'd expect to be at the center of God's plans, like the king, are actively moving to thwart them. Uh, If you keep reading this story, Herod wanted to know where Jesus was so that he could find him and kill him. And since the priests, uh, the Magi never get back to Herod, he just orders all male kids under two to be killed. Not what you would expect from like the divinely God appointed King of Israel. We see through these Zoroastrians, um, these Magi worshiping Jesus, that Christ is not just salvation for the people of Israel, but for all people. Even these Magi, these people who by all Jewish accounts get it completely wrong. And this story get it so right while the Jewish king and Jewish priests and Jewish scholars all get it wrong. I feel like this is really good news to me. Uh, I feel like I'm getting better at this as I get older, but I often still feel like I have to be right about what I think about the world. Um, I have to believe the right things. I have to have the right thoughts. Specifically when it comes to God, I have to have the right theology about God in order to not miss him showing up. But as we see in the story and throughout Jesus's life, it's the people who are the most convinced of how right they are and how wrong everyone else is. Um, The people most concerned with delineating who is in and who is out that tend to miss Jesus. God doesn't seem to be too worried about perfect theology. He definitely doesn't seem interested in, in who is in and who is out. God seems more inclined to love. 
God seems more inclined in trying to help us see that whoever we are, we're in. God is for us. God meets us where we're at. God speaks through what we can understand, even if it's horoscopes for these magi. God is willing to work through just about anything to draw us to himself. If, if we're willing to be curious and open-handed and courageous enough to follow where we see hope, even in the stars. So while I'm not telling you to go out and buy a horoscope and like live your life based on it, um, that's not at all what I'm trying to say. I, I really, all I want to do is encourage you with this tonight. As we enter this year, be curious, be open-handed, be courageous. God reveals himself in the most unlikely ways and through the most, most unlikely people. Because after all, Christ is the epiphany, the revelation of God and the light to the whole world. Like the Magi, may you be curious, open-handed and courageous enough to find hope in the stars. In once every 800 year planetary conjunctions that if nothing else, um, remind us of the vastness and beauty of creation and point us toward Christ's light shining in the darkness, light to the whole world for all people. All right, let's see if you all had any fun questions for us to tackle. Okay, yes, great. Nate Galuzzi wants to know what's the significance of the gifts. There are books written about this, but uh, gold is gold. <laughs> it's it's a symbol, it symbolizes, it's a gift fit for a king and gold is also always um, associated with the divine. So it's sort of like uh, seeing Jesus as both divine and the king. Um, frankincense is like this resin, like this stone. Um, well, not totally a stone. It's, it's this weird spongy stuff that you can make uh, incense out of that was used in worship uh, ceremonies by priests. And then uh, myrrh is anointing oil that high priests would use to anoint kings. So these are all gifts that you would give to a king and a priest. They symbolize Jesus being the high priest and the king in one and divine in one. Good question, Nate. Bobby, why was all of Jerusalem afraid? I was so hoping someone was gonna ask this question. So there's some debate about this, but what I think it is, is that Herod was kind of a ruthless dude and he would kill people if he thought at all that they were threatening him. He killed three of his own sons because he thought that they were trying to get his power. So there were, before Jesus was born, there was at least one uh, uprising where someone claimed to be the Messiah and um, Rome and Herod have to come and like put down the rebellion and they kill tens of thousands of people. The same thing happened again right after Jesus was born. Another guy claimed that he was the Messiah and King of the Jews and uh, it gets really bloody. So I think all of Jerusalem hears that there's another person claiming to be King of the Jews and they're, they're freaked out about it. The opposite belief is that this is just Jerusalem that is being talked about, not all of Israel. And so it's, they're trying to symbolize all of the elite people in Israel are worried about things being uh, unsettled or there being some sort of uprising or just Rome getting mad at them. Great, great question. Carrie, I've always wondered how the Magi didn't know Herod was a phony. I've always wondered that too but I've never 
I've never stopped to ask that question. Maybe I haven't always wondered it. What am I talking about? That's a great question. I think basically what happens is they didn't go to Herod to, to find out. They start asking around and Herod gets word of it and he calls them before him. It is weird that they kind of go along with whatever he says. But again, Herod pretends to like know about the Jewish scriptures. He has to have all the chief priests and the, the scholars come tell him where the Messiah is supposed to be born. So obviously he's not that into his Jewish religion, um, but I think he's just good at pulling the wool over people's eyes. Uh, if you look in Herod's history, this is Herod the Great, um, which is a different Herod than Jesus talks to at the end of his life. It, that's Herod's son. But Herod the Great, if you look at his history, he was really, really good at uh, manipulating people and really good at working his way up through the ranks. And so I think these magi were just sort of no match for um, his political charms, I guess. From Anna, why do we assume they got there the night of the birth? Because people like the birth narrative and they happen one right after the each, other, each other in the Bible. And so I think, especially also when Christmas got moved from January 6th, which was sort of the celebration of the Magi showing up to earlier. I think because Christmas was celebrated all in one, Christmas and Epiphany were celebrated all in one day, they threw them all together. And we just have kind of kept that throughout time. I'm not sure hundred percent that that's the right answer. That's just my best guess. And I think people really like um, having more figurines to collect for their nativity sets. The gifts were also very expensive and would have financed Mary Joseph's and Jesus flight to Israel. That's true, Sherry. I read that, I read that too, which I had never really thought about before. So, uh, or their flight to Egypt, not Israel. So after um, the Magi show up and they give the gifts, that's when Herod is like, okay, I can't find this kid. So I'm just gonna kill all, all males under two. Mary, Joseph and Jesus um, flee down South to Egypt. And the expensive gifts that they just got from the Magi could have been what paid for their way down to Egypt. Man, good work team. These were good questions. Thank you. I appreciate that. And it's kind of fun to still talk about. Uh, if you have other questions that you think of that you want to nerd out about with me, I am game for it. Hit me up. You know where I work. A lot of you know where I live.